Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most influential and listened to podcast in auto detailing. Welcome to the community. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast. This is Nick. You can find us at hypercleanstore.com or join us at Hyperclean Specialists on Facebook. Group is gaining traction. Love to see all the interaction every day. Questions being asked and answered. Go check out that group. I want to start today talking about used cars, things going on, new cars, markups, conversations I'm having. We have taken delivery of several cars as of recently. The car manufacturers are definitely spitting them out a little bit quicker. But let's talk about the used car market. Most wholesale prices are marking the used car market down around 15% wholesale price. So you could see in your area, the price is going down severely more than that. In your area, you could see it maybe going down less. It depends on where you live in the United States. It actually that it, It's actually so regionally dependent now based on population, what kind of cars you're getting. Are you getting the new cars? Is your used car department really uh, weak in your city? Uh, who knows? but we have seen a wholesale decline in used car prices. We, I have so many conversations and I want to relay this on this podcast. Just because a car, like something that's getting shared all over the internet, a 2023 Mercedes GT is a $350,000 price tag. It's got more than a $350,000 markup on it. It's now, you know, a $700,000 car basically uh, for, for a three hundred fifty thousand dollar car, you're going to pay seven hundred thousand. People get all kind of crazy, and and think that that's indicative of the car market. It's not indicative of the car market at all. Okay, there are some cars that you're going to pay a crazy amount of money to get because they don't make a lot of them. AMG's had all kinds of problems getting cars into the states. The fans of those cars are going to pay what they have to pay, and they're not going to miss the money. And so I hate kind of when journalists do this, and this is a journalist that did this, they jump on something that's indicative of a very, very small part of the car market. And for whatever reason, they think they're showing you something. They're showing you the 1% of the 1% of the 1% of the car market, and they think they're doing their job, and they aren't. The Mercedes GT, there's not many of them being brought into the States. They can mark it up. They're going to mark it up. Do I think it should happen? Of course not. But I wouldn't think of advising a client to pay that for that car. I got plenty of clients that will never miss the money, and they'll buy the car anyway. So we don't need to to, to isolate these, these really, really crazy stories and go, look, this is the car market. There's crazy parts about the car market because it's not going to get fixed overnight. And so I want to say this pretty clearly. One of the things that people – I think have to come to grips with is you've seen this problem out of control for two and a half years. It's not magically going to get fixed in a month or two. Is it going to get fixed at some point? Could that be in 2023? Maybe. Could that be 2024, 2025? Sure. It's anybody's guess how this stuff is going to shake out because we don't know anything about, are manufacturers really going to ramp up? Are ma manufacturers really going to get their act together? Are they still going to be dealing with chip shortages? We have no idea other than to make a guess. 
for the vast majority of people buying a car today, it's way better to buy a car today than it was six months ago. So we know that it's easing in a lot of the car market. Isolating these special parts of the car market is a big mistake. This is the same thing happening in the auction world. I'm getting hit up for more private sales. I've had two auction sites uh, send me emails if I wanted to buy uh, cars for clients of, of, of auctions that have fell, fell through on collecting the money. That's all going up. But then people see that the F1 Michael Schumacher Ferrari sells for $15 million. I get all these text mar- messages. This is a record price. This is never – the car market's crazy. Dude, it's an F1 championship winning car. It was going to sell for a lot of money. I've been seeing F40s come to sale a lot quicker here recently and still selling for big money. F40s are a car everybody wants to own. A 1969 Camaro that there's $8 billion of, magically, the price is going down. You know how I know? Because I've been offered two of them. Like I told everybody was going to happen in the muscle car market. That doesn't mean every muscle car, but the vast majority of them are going to go down. So this is the same thing happening in the new car market that we see happening when people try to talk about auctions. Guys, the used car prices are headed down. We have another thing that I want to say about the used car market that could happen very quickly. Carvana's in real trouble. If they get forced into bankruptcy protection, which could happen at any moment, or it could never happen, but it looks like it's headed that way, they got 100,000 used cars. They'll dump those on the market immediately. They'll be forced to by a judge more than likely. They dump 100,000 of their inventory onto the market, 15% is, is child's play you might see the market fall 30, 40, 50%. Because they put that back into the marketplace. They overpaid for all of that inventory. Sooner or later, they're going to flood the market with the inventory, either by law and the government stepping in, the, 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 the judge, or they're going to get smart and say, the only way we can raise capital is to dump our inventory. They are in real trouble. Their business model is flawed. Their buying is flawed. Everything's flawed about their business model. We've known it for a while. The cash infusions may be over. They may not be over. They get another cash infusion from an investment firm. They'll, they'll be right back to their same old ways. But bankruptcy looks pretty likely because of the way they've done business. They'll flood the market. Used car prices will go down more. But this is what I, I don't like people to do. And, and many of you want to learn more about this marketplace. And I appreciate you listening to this. The best that I can tell you is, Stop relaying special cars as indicative of the car market. Look at the health of everything and say, where are we at? And then you can advise a client or you can make a better decision if you're the consumer yourself. Used car prices are down. I'll I'll have people say to me, well, I'm trying to buy this, you know, exact expedition I want. Well, okay, if you get that specific, you may have a problem. But can I go buy a very, very nice used 2021 expedition for less today than six months ago? No questions asked. I can absolutely find it for less money. Now, if you live in Los Angeles or Miami or a place that was hit hard, you know, and, and cars were at a limit, okay, you might still not have that that luxury. But you could certainly get on the internet and have one delivered to your house. You could certainly buy one at auction and have it delivered to your house. You could buy one from another dealership and have it shipped in. So we got to look at these things and understand we're in flux in the car market. 
pretty much like we've never seen before. The new car market is easing, but that doesn't mean it's back to where we all think it should be. And when you're talking about special cars, that's just, that's not going to happen. Okay. Special cars that people want that are in high demand. It's anybody's guess what's going to happen and when that's going to get fixed. I, I would likely say it's not even fixed in the next six months in that part of the market, but I've been proven wrong before. I mean, that's why I, I really don't do predictions with my clients. I just say, here's where we are today. Logically, it's going to be hard to get out of this in the next 90 days. That's my advice. I don't think magically Mercedes GTs are going to come in the the the, the country by the thousands. So if you want one, you got to go buy it at this price. Uh, may you pay 100000 more than the guy that waits a year? Maybe. But what if he waits a year and he pays more than you? It's all as likely as each other. And we got to slow down with all this crazy advice on the internet and getting all worked up because of a special car is being sold for double sticker. It shouldn't happen, but it is happening. It's been happening. Uh, the Porsche market's been doing this for years, even before the pandemic. So I don't know what the outrage is now when all these other companies will cheer Porsche on five years ago for doing this. Now we're mad at everybody for doing it. it, it it's kind of an odd thing. I don't know. It, it These special vehicles are what they are. But yeah, I mean, I, I have people telling me they can't get their hands on these cars. And now, you know, this big markup is all over the internet. Hey, man, it is what it is. You want a special car, you're going to have to play to play the game. Pay to play the game. It's just the way it is. Something came across this week a lot. For whatever reason, you have these weeks where things just pop into your 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 feeds and your email and your 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 phone conversations, and it's the word value. It's probably the most buzzy word I hear all these gurus in our industry and others tell you, provide value for your clients and you'll always be in business. But you know, it's always a cliche. They don't actually tell you how to provide value or how to analyze value. And, and that kind of stuff is a red flag to me. When somebody just keeps saying the word value and they never can tell you how to analyze value in your business, that means they don't know how to do it. They just know that value is important. They just don't know how. They, they've never actually brought value to you or to a customer, and they don't know what they're talking about. And that's a red flag to me. So for whatever reason, value came across a lot in my life this week. So I'm going to share with you guys an exercise I do at the end of every year, been doing it, you know, close to eight, eight years now where I take November and December and I start to analyze what I'm trying to do for the next year. Uh, we'll do this for hyperclean. We'll do this for VR. We'll do this across the board of anything that I own. Actually, you know, I'll do the same thing around my home. Uh, around investments. It doesn't matter. It, it's, it's, it's a good exercise. And I kind of fell backwards into it. It's just the way I do things. But I hope this can be helpful to a lot of you when you're thinking about value. So I'll take the end of the year and I'll ask myself two questions. How do I bring value to my clients? And what do my clients value? Those things go hand in hand, folks. And the value of my vendors and how do I get value out of vendors? So let's talk about for all you business owners out there. And I know some of you lawyers, doctors listen, and, and we have detailing people listen. We have all kinds of business owners listen. So let's talk about this from what I know, which is the detailing business. 
The only way to bring value to a client is understanding what your client base values. That's the most important statement about value. Okay. So I'm going to give you two examples. What if I live in a very middle-class area, a lot of moms and dads and families, I got a lot of Tahoes, Toyota Siennas, four-door SUVs and vans. Everybody makes a pretty good living. I'm in a very middle-class area. Well, I can probably X out the fact that I'm going to be doing a lot of track pack PPF installations. I'm probably not going to be doing a lot of massive paint correction and ceramic coating jobs. Okay. I'm not going to at least be able to scale that in most of those areas. That doesn't mean I can't find those gigs from time to time, but it's not going to be the bread and butter of my business because my client base that I have to talk to doesn't value those things. It's not because they aren't valuable. They're just not valuable to the people I do business with. So let's say I have a, 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 a town like that, a city like that, and that's my client base. Well, a mom with two kids and a dad with two kids can tell you that kids are messy. So the one thing I can know is going to be a cash maker in those areas is interior detailing. Kids throw stuff, pick, kids pick their nose, they flick boogers everywhere, they cough on everything, they spill stuff. Should I be in track package PPF or should I be in interior detailing? It's not sexy, but I'm going to make way more money in those towns by being great at interior detailing and offering ways for my clients to drive around a clean car more often. Because when you have kids, that's tough to do. So what would a ma soccer mom value? Hey, how can you keep this mess of my family clean? Interior and exterior detailing, okay? But interior would be the most important to that person. That's what they're going to value. Is that mom going to value paint correction in a five-year coating? Most likely not. But I could also upsell them a one-year coating because they do want to protect their investment. I may be able to upsell them a one-step paint correction in a two-year coating. That's certainly possible. Happens every day, especially to the dads in these families, right? I need to make the whole car look good. But I got to ask myself, what does that family value? And if you have a family, you value who's going to clean up the mess of my kids. So if I lived in that area, my weekly maintenance program would be in every neighborhood that I could find. Because you know why? Once you get them addicted to not having to look at their kids' mess, they're going to find a way to afford it. That's what they value. Okay. They value that because that's right in front of their face. Their kids are a mess, whatever. Let's take that to the next option. I'm in an area where guys have a lot of Porsches, a lot of Teslas, a lot of those types of cars, okay? A lot of maybe you have access to McLarens and things like that. Well, selling these mom van cleanups in that area, while I'm sure they have some family vehicles, if you're doing business with the guy that owns the Porsche, I'm going to talk to him and he's going to value things very differently than this person over here that we just talked about with the mom van and the mom, you know, the dad SUV and that kind of thing. It's a different economic class. 
It's a different value system because of the cars they own. So what would I sell to Porsche guy? I may sell track package, right? Not every Porsche guy, but let's say I would sell PPF track package. Hey man, your car's never going to get banged up. I'd sell a ceramic coating on his car. I'd probably be able to sell a one-step paint correction. At least if not a two-step. He's going to value keeping his car because this is great to him. He spent a lot of money on it. So if I don't have access to this guy and I have access to these families, then trying to sell this guy that doesn't exist in my world and going and getting training and things that I can't sell in my area or don't even have an opportunity, opportunity to, this is the value system that has to exist. I see so many guys thinking they have to jump into PPF, that they have to jump into these five-year codings, that they have to jump into it. No, no. What does your client base value and how do you make the most money off of that for your business? So I got a track package PPF example in this area with Porsches and all this other stuff. And I got this other area that doesn't have access to Porsches, but has great middle-class families that make good money. They want to keep their stuff nice. I got to understand what they value to create value. And so now the packages I create for those two clients look vastly different. The skill sets that I need to perfect are vastly different. That doesn't mean that if I'm in this growing area of middle class that I can't ever learn about PPF and sell it. I'm just saying my business, the bread and butter is going to be inside outside details on a high level that you charge real big money for, that you get to the top of that marketplace to the best of your ability in that area, and then adding a one and two year ceramic coating, maybe light, quick polishes, simple things that, that I know I can make them valuable to that customer base. I'm going to have way more Porsche owners call me about windshield film than the mom van. So if I have access to Porsches, I'm in windshield film, PPF, five-year ceramic coatings, three-year ceramic coatings, uh, paint correction, because it's necessary, because those clients will value that. Not all of them, mind you, very still a very low percentage, but I will have access to sell those services. Find out what your customer va base values and then you can build valuable things for them. That's the part of the value proposition nobody talks about. You have to get inside the head of the people that you are or want to do business with and then build value from there. That is the reality of how things have to go. And once people just tell you provide value, there's no, there's no plan. I just gave you the plan. The people I do business with, what do they value? Now, how do I build packages to give them value in the areas I know that they care about? Nobody on this podcast is ever going to advocate for you being at the bottom of the market. How do I charge the most money and bring the most value to the things that they value is the game of the game. The next exercise is I will learn or go through my vendor relationships. Which ones do I value? Why do I value them? Which ones do I maybe need to look at and say, this one wasn't this great this year? 
wasn't real happy. We need to solve this. I need to talk to my rep. But value when it comes to detailing chemicals is probably one of the most misunderstood things in our business. So everybody knows the men and women to get on the internet and talk about how they can find the cheapest stuff, the cheapest wheel cleaner, the cheapest this. I can get it from Amazon. I can get it from O'Reilly's. I can pay two bucks. I can pay five bucks. I can pay 20 bucks. And all of those different types of things sound good in a, bu- in a, in a very small bubble. Okay. In the real world, here's the problem that I see when you don't understand value when it comes to your vendors. When we look at internally what HyperClean brings for our supporters, the $3 company wheel cleaner, the $20 company that sells a $20 wheel cleaner, they don't bring this value. You can't plug into a podcast as informational as ours. You can't go to a specialist group where you have pros in there answering everybody from beginners to DIYers. You you don't find that anywhere else on that level, in my opinion. You also don't have the product development access that most of you have with working with HyperClean. Stay tuned for Tuesday's episode dropping. That's going to be the biggest announcement in the history of HyperClean about more value that we're going to be able to bring from a chemistry perspective. And you don't have as well thought out systems that you can follow that can plug you into taking care of cars on a high level instantaneously, in my opinion, with a lot of brands. So all of those different things provide value. The $20 wheel cleaning company can't provide that value because they don't make products to create that value, right? You can't sell cheap Walmart type chemicals and then go out and create all this value because when you sell cheap stuff, you, you, you work in a volume, crank it out business. We don't care about the consumer. Just get this on the mark. When you build the infrastructure, the hyper clean that Marty and I have put our brains to, to build. We do that to provide value and infrastructure for you guys to understand our product line, to understand our community, to understand that this is more than just a slap together chemical company. There's value here. That value is so interesting to watch from the inside. So let me give you a, a something that we've watched happen 20, 30, 40 times this year. We have shops and and mobile guys making so much money in the hyperclean system. It it amazes me every day. Now, listen, when I say this, I know it's those people's talent and it's those people's hard work. It's not our hard work, but listen, when I say, when they plug into value, they all of a sudden can provide value on the other side as a business because they understand it more. So the people that are the most active in the hyperclean specialist group, the people that participate in listening or going listening to our podcast every day, every time it drops or catching up in all the episodes, those people that magically when we drop t-shirts, they place the orders immediately. Those that have plugged into HyperClean have success 10, 20, 30x people that don't plug in that we can see visually, Okay. When you plug into a value-driven system, 
you magically start to make more money long-term. We have people building on to their shops, having plans of new construction onto their shops. Their shops are growing so big. We have mobile guys with two and three trucks on the road that when we they started listening to the podcast two years ago, they had a single truck and they were by themselves. As they plugged into our systems more and more, they became more successful. We can see people directly beside them in the same city that started at the same time who have nowhere close to the this person's growth that plugged into the value of the group, of the podcast, of the network, of ordering the products, of incorporating them properly in your business. This is value. Somebody putting products on a website and selling them for cheap or selling them to O'Reilly so you can go buy them, where is their value into your business? Providing cheap chemicals is not valuable. The infrastructure that these companies are able to offer, which is none, that's not valuable at all. The infrastructure being built around HyperClean, that's how we're creating value. You're just getting your start and taking care of your own car. You want to learn about it. You go to the specialist group. You listen to the podcast. You plug into our system. You start working with TRX and, and Fuego on your rims. Your rims are instantaneously taking care of better than had you've gone to the $5 wheel cleaner. Guaranteed. And we can dive into that chemistry all day long, which we've done on this. But those chemicals aren't the only value. Those chemicals are part of a systematic approach to creating value and keeping people engaged and keeping us all talking to one another and sharing ideas. That's the value. If you want to understand value, if you constantly worry about the price of something, you haven't understood the value of that thing. So if you say to me, hey, your Fuego is too expensive. I want to buy a $5 wheel cleaner. You don't understand value. Fuego decontaminates. Fuego works better. Fuego needs less agitation, scratching rims less. On a chemistry level, it's not as the same product. It's not the same value. But then the infrastructure around the brand that you can plug into become to become better at detailing your own car or customers' cars or whatever, that's the value of that wheel cleaner different than the $5 one. And this is where we get into my last point. Probably the most important thing that I've learned as I've grown in business, and this is not something anybody is born with. This is something you either learn or you don't. If you find yourself saying that's a ripoff a lot, it's a pretty evident thing to most people in the know that you don't value things, you don't understand how to analyze value, and you're worried about the wrong things. The greatest piece of advice I can give at the end of this conversation is this. You should never say the words, that's a ripoff, ever again in your life. If you buy valuable things, the odds of you getting ripped off is about 0% because things with real value are not a ripoff. If I go to an appliance store and I buy a brand new appliance, a brand new refrigerator, and I, I buy a, a name brand that I trust, that, that has a lot of value, 
that, that stands behind their product. If something goes wrong, it's going to perform the same exact thing as the $300 used one I can buy on Facebook marketplace. But if the one on Facebook marketplace three months from now breaks down and stops working, I, I don't have anybody to call. I don't have any support system. I don't have anybody to get to the bottom of, Hey, I have a problem. Let's say my brand new fridge breaks down and I say, Hey, something wrong with this brand new fridge. And I worked with a great appliance company. They stand behind what they sell. You're usually going to see a technician within 24 hours. What's the value? I paid $300 for this refrigerator on, on Facebook marketplace. I paid 2,500 bucks, 3,500 bucks, $5,000 for this refrigerator over here. They both broke down the same day. The value is when I buy from a reputable company, I'm usually going to have a technician out trying to answer the problem within 24 hours. That doesn't mean they're going to service it perfectly. That doesn't mean that they're going to have the perfect customer service experience. People mess up, companies fail, all that kind of stuff. But value-wise, I'm not out on an island and just wasted 300 bucks. I don't value and, and think that the guy that went to Facebook Marketplace got ripped off. He went to a place where ripping off happens. That's how he got ripped off. The most amazing thing in my life, the last 10 years, is I can honestly say I, I never felt that I was ripped off one time in any activity that I've done. Marty and I spend ungodly amounts of money with people every month. I don't feel that we've been ripped off. Have we had people that we've had to stop doing business with? Sure. Because the, the things I value, they don't provide. So instead of saying, that's a ripoff, and I'll leave it with this, all of us can buy a $10 t-shirt, but there's $10,000 t-shirts out there. To say that that $10,000 t-shirt's a ripoff is the wrong way to look at it. The right way to look at it, in my opinion, is to look at that t-shirt and say, hey, you know what? Not in my price range. I can't afford it. Because that $10,000 t-shirt is selling to somebody that, that, that values what that $10,000 t-shirt brings to them. I can say all day long, that's not something I would do. That doesn't make that $10,000 t-shirt a ripoff. Just means it's not in my price range. It's not in my uh, importance level to pay $10,000 for that t-shirt. When you take the words, that's a ripoff, and you see this all the time on the internet, oh, you can find it for cheaper, that's a ripoff. Those people never win in life because nobody successful in my life speaks that way ever. Nobody ever says that. I can't find one instance in 10 years of talking to my most su successful clients, my most su successful friends, where I look around and go, we talk about being ripped off. It's never happened. I've never heard those words out of their mouth. They understand price points. I just had a friend of mine buy a $10,000 bed. Was it a ripoff? No. You spend what? Eight hours a night? 56 hours a week in your bed? Is $10,000 a ripoff? To somebody, it's going to sound like a ripoff. To me, it's either in your price range or it isn't. When you start looking through that lens, you can provide value to customers better because you don't think of the words ripped off and, and you don't do business with people that speak that way. You do business with people that value things, but you got to be able to understand what they value so you can sell them something they value. And same goes for your vendors. 
You want to buy a $20 soap and call it a wheel cleaner? It's up to you. It scratches rims. It takes more agitation. If that doesn't matter to you, then doing the job right on a high level doesn't matter to you. So don't expect to find the people who value doing things on a high level. See, your value system is going to attract others that got your value system. You use the word ripped off all the time. You're magically going to have all these customers reach out to you that go, oh, that, that detail price is a ripoff. I never have it happen. I hardly ever hear the words ripped off in my life. Understanding value, I hope this conversation's made it easier. But the minute somebody tells you to bring value to your customer and they can't give you a detailed conversation about it, I probably wouldn't listen to it because value is important. So for those of you running a detailing business, try this over the next couple months. What you'll find is you'll probably change some packages in your business. You'll probably change your thought process a little. You'll change this out, that out. You'll start to really analyze your relationships. I found it useful for me. Uh, if it's not for you, all good. If it is, I hope I, hope I explained it well enough. You guys have a great weekend. Stay tuned Tuesday. Biggest announcement in hyper clean history. Talk soon.